0: For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com.
1: Welcome to Concussion Talk Podcast. I'm Nick Mercer. This is Episode 58. Concussion Talk Podcast is presented by HeadCheck Health. HeadCheck Health bridges the gaps in concussion care through simple, powerful technology. Join organizations like the Canadian Football League, Track Factory Racing, the Canadian Junior Hockey League, Eastern Washington University, and Volleyball Canada, who rely on HeadCheck Health to improve communication and optimize care. Visit HeadCheckHealth.com for more. For For episode 58, I'm on with Emily Giddings of Concussion... Montreal McGill's McGill University's concussion group, and uh, so Emily, thank you for joining joining me.
2: Yeah,
1: thank you for having me. And do to introduce yourself and uh, what the, well, what I say, what you what get you involved in concussion, or or uh, and and also what your group does and who you serve in McGill.
2: Yeah, so, as you just said, my name is Emily Giddings. Um, so, I'm the director of the McGill Students for Concussion Legacy Foundation. So, we are um, a branch of the Concussion Legacy Foundation that um, that's based at McGill. Um, we basically have two teams. We have an education team and a support team. So our education team goes into um, schools around McGill, um, elementary um, secondary schools. And we talk about what a concussion is, why it's important, uh, what, sh- what you should do if you think you have one or you think one of your friends has one. Um, and we've also spoken at like a mental health symposium and spoken to a bunch of the medical response teams from different universities. So we do different workshops. Um, And then we have our support group that basically meets once a week and then they also have um, one more fun concussion friendly event a month, like a painting event or something to that extent. Um, So yeah, that's kind of what we do. And then we also, we were supposed to have a symposium this month with right. some researchers and then um, some the ham- hope was
1: the hope, the hope was to put this out before the symposium, but I guess it's now it's March 13th, Friday, March 13th, and we're recording this. So, and you are, McGill's closed today?
2: Yeah, McGill is closed today. Um, and the event was supposed to be at the Montreal Neurological Institute, which is now not hosting events until the end of June. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Tentatively, so. We'll hopefully be having the symposium sometime in the fall.
1: Uh um, well, you okay. And you and you do you have any big guests, any guests lined up who was gonna be at your symposium that you were looking forward to seeing or hearing?
2: Yeah, so we had um a researcher from McGill, so we were gonna have three speakers and then a panelist. We had a researcher from McGill named Alan Petito. Um Who's very good. He was going to talk about some of the new imaging and new treatment as far as concussions, which I'm interested to know. Because yeah. I had yeah. no idea that that I was know. even a thing. Um, so I'll be really excited to hear about that. And then we had um, a former hockey player named Alan Globinsky who was going to come speak. Uh-huh. Uh, and he was going to just talk about why it's important to you know, decrease the amount of contact sports at a younger age right. um, because of what he's dealing with now in his older years. Um, and then we were going to have a panelist with a neuropsychologist who is also probably going to be one of the speakers, um, as well as a physio, a researcher and a medical doctor. Mm. Um, and the panel would have been moderated by somebody who dealt with a concussion. um, And I think the panel is really neat because it kind of exposes the disconnect between these different um, specialized fields in concussion recovery. Um, Yeah. Yeah. And so, and then the floor would have been opened up for the audience to uh, um, ask questions. Were you were you, were
1: you expecting a lot of people at this?
2: Um, this is our first year doing the actual symposium. Last year we did a panel, and I think we had around thirty people. We were expecting more for this one, um, just based on the fact that we got the support group up and running a lot better this year. Um, so we have more involvement with that, and um, our name is expanding. So, yeah.
1: so before I ask you about yourself and how you're involved, uh, where do you serve? Do you serve just McGill University, or do you serve like all of Montreal or whoever wants to ask questions?
2: Um, we serve whoever wants to ask questions. So actually a lot of the people that come into the support group are not McGill students. Um,
1: okay, that's good.
2: Just from the community. Yeah, we didn't feel like it's...
1: You to limit it?
2: Yeah, fair to limit it, especially when, there's, when we're the only group here. Yeah, um, yeah that just... Doesn't sit well with me. No. Um,
1: yeah, you were saying before this that uh, you're the only one, only cousin c- c- support group in Montreal, and then in Quebec, I, as far as you know.
2: Yeah, in Quebec, as far as I know, if there are others, I would love to know about them. But yeah, we've gotten messages from people um, from Quebec City and these other areas uh-huh. around Quebec, um, and so we also like our our resource list has expanded to not just the Montreal area. But yeah. um, Quebec, that way we can get information to them um, as well. So it is really kind of whoever needs help, right. um, as long as we're in a spot to help them, then we're willing to do it.
1: Well, that's a good uh, segue to uh, find out exactly what is Emily's story. Why, did, how, why and how did you get involved in concussion and this concussion group Miguel?
2: Yeah, so it is a bit of a long story.
1: That's we got time.
2: Awesome. Um yeah, so I think the thing about my story is that it really exposes this complexity between concussion recovery uh regarding the direct impacts of the injury but in combination with the fact that life doesn't really stop when you're injured. Um And external events may have a large impact on the recovery. Um, So I think like while each of our stories are kind of unique, um, the feelings that I experienced and the roots of my behaviors following my concussion are the same as the majority of the people that I've talked to that have dealt with and are aware that they're dealing with the long-term effects of concussions. Yeah. So it kind of all started when I was 14 years old. Okay. Um, I'm 22 now, so I, I suffered a concussion in a haunted house. Actually, um,
1: oh yeah,
2: yeah, it's kind of I can laugh at it now. Yeah, yeah, but, um, that's why. I, I uh, yeah, so I, I heard a chainsaw and I took off running, um, <laughs> and all I remember is getting off the ground. And the next yeah. day I was playing a soccer game, so I used to be a goalie. Um, so so I, do you know?
1: what Sorry, do you know what happened? Like, what did you hit? Like, you. Well, I'm oh, you'll get me. that. Okay. Oh, sorry. So, Go ahead.
2: Yeah. No worries. So the next day, I'm playing this soccer game, and I I die for a ball, and I start seeing stars, and I don't really know what a concussion is. Yeah. But I think a girl on my team had gotten one the week before, and so I knew it had to do with the head. So I yeah. I, and then the next or that week at school, I was reading, and I was like. I went home and I was like, dad, I think I'm allergic to reading it was making me sick. I had no yeah. idea what a concussion was. And yeah. uh, finally, I asked one of my friends that had been in the haunted house. I was like, hey, did I hit my head when I fell at the haunted house? And they said, no, you sprinted into a concrete wall. Oops. <laughs> Knocked myself out, <laughs> um, which is crazy. <laughs> and so... <laughs> That one was, like, a two-week recovery, which oh. I think is a bit long for a first concussion. Yeah. Looking back on it now, it's – I have these vivid memories of, like
1: – Well, you obviously – you're obviously going quick. You're a good sprinter, I guess, or soccer. Yeah, You're, a, you're going pretty <laughs> early fast. Not at all.
2: I, I, yeah, but I have these memories of, like, the world just kind of flipping sideways <laughs> while I was running at practice and me falling oh, over and getting oh, yeah. back up and being, like, oh, maybe it's my allergies. Yeah, like, yeah. Um, so looking back, I probably had quite a few concussions. Um, but yeah, after two weeks, I was back on the field. But then six months later, um, I was playing a soccer game. I bent down to pick up a soccer ball, and this girl ran into me. Um, mm. It was just kind of a freak accident. Um, so I, I remember waking up on the ground Jumping up and being like, where's the soccer ball? And uh, this girl had broken her ankle and was super distressed. So I don't think anyone really realized that I had gotten knocked out. Yeah. Uh, and I didn't – being knocked out is really weird because you don't really remember it.
1: <laughs> yeah, and then you see someone with a broken ankle you're like, oh, God, they're worse off than I am.
2: Yeah, and especially if you're just out for a split second. Yeah. Get up and keep going. Um. So that was on a Thursday, and I was just t- – in total denial about potentially having had a concussion. And I also really had no education or understanding about these long-term effects and how common they are, so, which is what I really like about the education side of our group. I yeah. think it's really important to talk about that stuff. Yeah. Um, so I don't remember the next day very well, that Friday. I do remember going and playing a soccer game Saturday. Um, and not much happened, but I was really car sick on the way to it, which was a bit of a red flag. Um uh, but again, you know, you don't as as an athlete, you don't want anything to be wrong. Yeah. And I was also just really out of it. Um and unable to really think properly. And then that Sunday, the next day I was playing a game. And <laughs> at the time I was regarded as a very good goalie. Like Okay. I was very good. And yeah. Yeah. more or less what happened is somebody shot the ball and it hit the back of the net and then I uh, dove for it. Ah. And Oops. I was like, "Whoa, that's weird." Yeah. Um, and then I started seeing stars and TV static, and um, that's called visual snow, which is oh, like yeah, yeah. And to this day, I still see stars and static. Really,
1: really? Like when you're awake or when you're
2: um, lying down or? It's twenty four seven, eyes really? open, eyes closed, in the dark and the light. I always see it. Um, do, do you see it now? Yeah. Well, 24 seven. And yeah. I, um, yeah, I, and that's the other thing about going in and talking to these kids is I can be like, look, I got this concussion on a Thursday and I continued to play. And now yeah. I see TV static 24 seven and it's a pain. <laughs> like, you, didn't,
1: you didn't see that until Sunday. You yeah. didn't see, you didn't see the snow until, until after the end of Sunday.
2: Right. Yeah, okay, well. at least to my recollection. It took yeah. me a while to realize that there was something wrong with my vision. I knew I was yeah. seeing stars starting that day a yeah. lot. Um, the stars I don't see all the time. It's only bright surfaces. Um, so at that point, I told my parents that I thought I was concussed. Um, and they were like, all right, like rest like you did for the other one. You know, we're thinking we're concussion pros. We just yeah. went through this. Um, yeah. And after two weeks, I wasn't better. So we ended up going to seven different doctors in my hometown. Um, nice. Yeah, we saw two neurologists, and they told me I had developed migraines, um, which I I didn't know much about concussions. I I was 15 at this point, um, yeah. but that didn't really sit well with me. You know, I wanted to be able to do something to get better, um, and I don't remember a ton about this year after my concussion. I don't have a lot of personal memories. It's more yeah. like a list of Wikipedia facts in my head
1: Yeah brain. what happened, yeah.
2: Yeah, like I know what happened, but I don't really remember.
1: Yeah, vividly, uh, yeah.
2: Yeah. And so yeah, after six weeks so well important to say is that all these doctors were like, Oh, it's it's in your head, like Yeah. You're you're you just don't wanna go to school or go do these life things. Like you're kind of being over dramatic about it more or less yeah. is how I was perceiving it. And I was like all right. <laughs> so I, you know, I, I did my best to act normal, but, um, my parents did get me in to see a concussion specialist, um, and at Duke university, which is about two hours from where I grew up in North Carolina. Okay. Uh, yeah. And so we saw a concussion specialist and this was again, six weeks after. And my reaction time was in the sixth percentile, like mm. one, two, three, four, five, six. Um, and we did this, test with this flashlight where i saw four dots on the walls yeah um, and he said to focus on the top one and two of the dots moved to the right and two of the dots moved to the left and at this point he turned the light on and my mom was shocked
1: oh, because,
2: because up until this point she's kind of just trying to trust these other doctors that it's yeah. all in my head um and i just i had a really bad nystagmus which you know is yeah. just like a hangover I actually, yeah
1: i do know that because i do a I do a standardized patient thing for with the medical here and I obviously told it if I follow the finger when I follow that left I can I see like a kinda jumps was like two images, yeah. so I double I have, I have double vision, so yeah. So when I when I follow that way then you can see my eye wobbles or jumps whatever it does and
2: Right, just yeah. Yeah, no, my mom said it was really scary when they were doing the test. They put, like, a camera over your eye and move your head backwards, and she was like, your pupils got so big, it looked like something out of, like, the Blair Witch Project. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, whoa. <laughs> um, so, well, but at that point, what was cool is I did find out that there is a lot you can do for concussions. So I did yeah. start in visual rehab, and I started in physio, physical therapy. Um but the big thing that kind of got overlooked at this point is that I did lose my identity in that time. So I'd right. been a trumpet, <laughs> yeah, I'd been a trumpet player and a, a soccer player. Um, did you have I, one
1: that was more you? Did, were you more? did you associate yourself more with music or more with sports, or is it just was, kind of both? It
2: was a pretty even mix. Yeah. <laughs> After school, I would. Um, go from either marching band or jazz band practice yeah. then to soccer practice oh, okay so it was both pretty and you, even. and
1: you liked them both the same more yeah, yeah. i
2: loved them both um and, you know, i kind of lost that and i lost the groups that came with that and i couldn't even run anymore um and i remember my my adhd got a lot worse i stopped reading for fun um and I, again, I don't remember, I don't have great vivid memories of this time period, but I remember a lot of the feelings. Yeah. And a lot of what I remember is like, while I would make progress sometimes at other times, my recovery is at a standstill, which yeah. I think is important in concussion recovery. Is it, it's not just, it's not just like a linear line. It's, um, yeah. it's a roller coaster.
1: Yeah. yeah. Yes,
2: it <laughs> it's up and down. Um, and, you know, during those times where you're kind of at a standstill, I remember just thinking, like, oh, my gosh, like, I'll never be able to function again. Like, I'm never going to be okay, which is yeah. terrifying. Um,
1: Plus, you're 15.
2: Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I'm supposed to be in high school doing all these high yeah. school things. And here I am, like, what is happening? You yeah. <laughs> know, <laughs> um, yeah, at 15, I've been given this task to rebuild my life. And it's... Yeah. It's really scary, and i I believe until I just kind of like floated through my life, like I'm pretty sure I would just wander the hallways of the school and they would just kind of let me do whatever I wanted, and my goal had been to be able to run cross country six months later, um which didn't happen uh because I was still symptomatic, and so we got to like did
1: you did you have balance issues or did you just fatigue and
2: Yeah, I had pretty bad balance issues. Um, So I was in vestibular therapy, and they were kind of strapping me into this machine, and the floor would drop. Oh, yeah? Of course, then I got really good at counting how many seconds before the floor would move, (laughs) because I did it so (laughs) many times. Yeah. Um, Yeah, not the best. Um, Not
1: very reliable.
2: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So after, like, nine months of that, they ended up physically... You know, clearing me. Yeah. Uh, you know, you're good to go. You're not having headaches as much. You can read. You know, we're sitting. I'm in physical therapy, and I have yeah. one foot on a balance board and one yeah. foot on like one of those like yoga bo- balls. Bosu's. Like Bosu's,
1: yeah, like half a ball. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah Bosu, yeah. Like
2: throwing stuff at me, and I'm catching yeah. it. So physically, I'm doing great. <laughs> um, <laughs> But you know, the issue came into play at this point is that while I was physically cleared, um, psychologically I wasn't okay. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And at some level I knew that I didn't really feel like a part of the world and that I was pretty out of it. You know, it was more like I was just watching a movie. Gotcha. Um, and I felt, and I knew I didn't feel like as smart as I used to be. Um, but I also couldn't remember what I felt like before my concussion
1: right exactly, yeah,
2: is one of the biggest issues is you can't verbalize what's wrong when you don't yeah you know
1: your old what self what
2: normal is, yeah, 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 and so I just because I couldn't identify what something was wrong, I just kept saying something seemed off, but um, you know, nonetheless, like the doctors are saying, I'm okay, I want to be okay, everyone around me wants me to be okay so I just kind of adapted this mindset that I was okay yeah Um. and then this and I don't know if you've dealt with this I know we see a lot of people in the concussion support group dealing with yeah. this is this fear kind of set in and I was I so that. terrified yeah. getting another concussion yeah I was yeah. just so hyper vigilant you know, um, the
1: thing is yeah me I had like I, I, I didn't have a concussion I had a you know, severe ranging. injury and, uh, and so my injury was bad enough that I, I don't know, I kind of, I don't know maybe jumped out all that. I just, I have no fear. Not maybe it's, maybe it's just as bad, but I'm not like running my head in the walls or any of like that. Like not the, not the, but I mean, I'm not like, I'm not like going around looking for you know, reasons to hit my head, but I'm not scared about anything. It's just my legs just the Also, now I've been away from my brain injury for seventeen seventeen 17 years. So, you know. Maybe that just comes with time. Yeah. I, know I realized they were faster than they had, And they opened a cupboard. Like, if I closed my head, I'd whip my head back quickly. Like, it was definitely a, a, a natural, like, motion to get my head out of the way of anything.
2: Right. No, I remember, like, and it, it was to the point to where, like, I could convince myself that, like, a tissue sitting on the table was somehow going to concuss me. Yeah. Like, just... <laughs> It constantly in this state of worrying about the next concussion, which is really crippling yeah. because yeah, I couldn't exactly. really be part or part of the world or present with the world when I was oh, constantly focused on, you know, what yeah. what if this happens? Yeah. And any time I stepped foot on a soccer field, I would immediately get symptoms. So it was like, kind of like
1: love, love anxiety.
2: Yeah, my body was just hitting this panic button. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I've met people in the support group who like can't even. Like won't even accept a hug because they're so terrified, and you have yeah. people who are pretty short ducking under doorways.
1: Yeah, and I've seen went, that too. And,
2: yeah, and this is one of these other things that's a bit overlooked. Is like this. It's it's almost like a post traumatic.
1: Yeah, stress
2: sed- It is It's
1: traumatic I injury.
2: Yeah, tra- I mean, and so. it makes sense. Like while you're not like. Nobody was holding a gun to my head like I did yeah. lose my entire life and identity. Not exactly. entire, but a good chunk of it. Yeah. Um, and so yeah, eventually I was assessed by a psychologist and told that I shouldn't play contact sports or soccer anymore, um, which like in my state of I'm okay, I'm okay, I just kind of accepted, didn't really think about it. And I moved on towards coaching soccer and reading about the brain. And I picked up bass guitar, which ended up being awesome. Yeah. You a, you're a, you're a guitarist now. Yeah, I play bass guitar and Who's drum. your
1: Who's your idol or thing? Your icon for bass? Emily is Emily. Emily getting you your icon? Your icon now?
2: No. Um, <laughs> I think I'll,
1: I'll put you on the spot I don't mean that it's not about the guitar now so you can if you can't I think I of a good one you can or you can just well, skip
2: I have to say as a bass player I, I am a big big fan of John Paul Jones oh yeah of course yes yeah. and I love Lee and um, there's a couple others
1: is your is your a big guitar is your guitar like, way too big for you like My base are, yeah. It's, yeah like, it looks
2: a little big on me. Yeah. I'm about five foot two. <laughs> oh,
1: yeah. Mom some mom's height, yeah.
2: Yeah, it's a bit big, <laughs> but it's fun. Yeah. Um, so I did end up, like, getting to pick up that, and coaching soccer became really fun, and I really just had this goal of helping others with concussions. Like, I promised myself that when I was 15 yeah. because, you know, if these other people can't verbalize it, and they're trying to tell me they're off, it. at least, like, I, at that point, will hopefully have some way to verbalize some of what happened, um, which I'm getting more and more ways to verbalize as we go on. Um, you know, and at this point, so I'm like, um, I guess I'm just about a year wow. out of my concussion, and then my story gets really complex because yeah. – you know, I still don't feel like myself again, um, myself, like whatever yeah, that but, is. Yeah, whatever
1: that was, yeah.
2: I don't know. I can't remember. Yeah. Um, and my my uncle ended up dying by suicide. Oh. And then, so then I'm dealing with this grief and all these family dynamics that are changing. Yeah. Um, and I've t- it's kind of like totally at this point, like, the concussion has completely been forgotten about. Yeah. And then 13 months later, I had an uncle die of an overdose.
1: Jeez.
2: And then in the middle of this, I started developing narcolepsy,
1: oh.
2: which is a sleep disorder. Yeah. You know, we have sleep attacks, um, which the narcolepsy may or may not be related to the concussion. Oh, New Yeah, re- said, yeah. Yeah, so new research is showing that they're looking at brains of people that have dealt with traumatic brain injury post-mortem and they're missing orexin, which is the neurotransmitter that's lost in concussion, or that's lost in narcolepsy. Um, So there's a chance that it is related to the concussion, especially as we're finding out more about neuroinformation processes and stuff that kind of happens down the road that has negative impacts. I will probably never fully know the answer as to whether it was a concussion or an autoimmune process. Um, But as of now, nobody else is diagnosed in my family, and it does tend to be somewhat genetic. Um, So I think the thing at this point is, like, I was still feeling really dissociated from the world, um, and I was struggling with, like, adapting to this new life, and yeah. I was kind of unknowingly ignoring this grief I was feeling about my own former life. Yeah. Uh, and I, So I didn't really speak up about it because I so kind you were, of... You were
1: the, sorry, you were the grieving for this life that you didn't really remember
2: or remember. Right. Recognize. Yeah, right. okay. And I just assumed that what I was feeling at this point was what everyone around me was feeling, which was the grief of losing two loved ones.
1: Right, okay. Um,
2: yeah, I didn't realize that I was also dealing with my own grief coming back from a concussion still was never fully better from, and then also developing a sleep disorder. Um, and so it's kind of like regardless of whether one wants to believe it's, you know, all of this, like what happened with me and these events that I'm going to continue to talk about, um, is because of a direct biological injury or if it's simply an add up of stresses and traumas or a combination of these things. Like I really do believe that the concussion impacted my mental health in a big way and that yeah. it, it really impacted my ability to be able to handle those situations. Cause right. now I am 16, 17 years old dealing with the loss of two uncles. Um, yeah. It's completely changed my family dynamic. My parents are both crushed and they're yeah. kind of absent, which makes sense. Um, and then I was falling asleep all the time for unknown reasons and I'm trying to rebuild this life that I used to have. Um, So it gets like, it's very, very complex because anybody would struggle in that situation without the concussion. Yeah. But I think it really did lower my capabilities of handling it. Um, (laughs) So that's kind of like when my story just kind of becomes like this classic struggle with mental health is like, by the time I graduated high school, and so I got my concussion in my first year, yeah. I had just like full-blown undiagnosed narcolepsy. Um, I had come close to committing suicide. Wow. Um, I was really depressed. Yeah. yeah. And I, you know, like the suicide rates after traumatic yeah. brain injury. Yeah, twice. they're... Well, I- yeah, I was reading this study done on like 200,000 Canadians and they're saying that it, it after a single mild traumatic brain injury, one is 3 times more likely to commit suicide.
1: Yeah, I've seen that. And, yeah.
2: Yeah, and the peak time being 5 to 6 years after the concussion.
0: Right.
2: But you know, one mild traumatic brain injury that, you know, physically symptoms last or physiologically yeah. last 3 days. Yeah. We're not thinking about that three times or five years down the road. Yeah. But there is like the correlations are quite strong. Yeah. Um, so.
0: Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? they supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs no deductibles no enrollment periods and especially no more what ifs visit uh1.com to find the health protector guard plan for you
2: so like at this point i just had a i also just had a really hard time admitting something was wrong because you know I, all these doctors were like you're okay you're okay you're okay <laughs> um, yep. and i saw a therapist a few times after you know, experiencing the intense suicidal ideation. Um, but I think I just kind of said it was because my uncles and I was under the impression that, you know, what I was dealing with, um, was grief. Yeah, it was grief was what everyone else was dealing with, but I was only identifying a small part of what I was going through. Um, and so after graduating high school, which is now around three years after the concussion, um, I, I knew I wasn't ready for university. Yeah. So yeah, I couldn't seem to stay awake, like I wasn't focused. I was pretty apathetic at this point, which is something we talk a lot about in the support yeah. of the app you know, you just have a hard time being apathetic, you don't care.
1: Yeah.
2: I mean, especially if you feel like you're watching a movie, like how are you supposed to, you know, be part of it? Yeah. Um so this one I just decided to defer university and move to Nashville, Tennessee. Okay. Um yeah, I was moving out there to play bass and work on my mental health. <laughs> um, so I was going to be a rock star. Yeah. Um, I, you know, this whole time though, I knew I wanted to help people dealing with concussions. Um, so I, but I knew I need to figure out how to be okay. So I started really working on my perception of loss because up to this point, everything was about loss. Um, so I started really focusing on what I gained and like I'd become a bass player I'd become a soccer coach, and, yeah. you know, I had a direction in my life. I really fell in love with neuroscience and the brain um, and psychology, and I ended up landing a job as a research and, uh, assistant at Vanderbilt University. Nice. Um, yeah. That's, and that's so my, in Nashville? Yeah, um, it is. Yeah. In my days, like, like it became less about being a rock star, more about being in the office learning about the brain. Rock, um, okay. So, yeah, with that, and I did biofeedback. Which I don't know how big that is here in Canada. Um, I hear some mix I know
1: I know what it is, but I don't.
2: Yeah, I ended up doing that, and it did seem to help with the derealization, which is what I'm referring to when I'm talking about feeling like I'm watching a movie. is this kind of dissociated feeling okay. from reality. Yeah. Um, and so I with that and really becoming self-aware about how I was thinking about the world, I like pulled myself out of this depression that I'd been dealing with since the concussion. Um, but in that, I didn't know that I was going to open this door to all these feelings of grief uh, that I'd been ignoring for a really long time. Um, and so at this point, we're like four years from my concussion and I like vividly remember the day that the derealization went away, um, that I'd been oh, yeah. dealing with since. You know, I don't know if the derealization set in that Thursday when I got the concussion or that Sunday when maybe I <laughs> injured it a little bit more. You
1: uh, cr- cried, or does that happen? Or sorry, did you like cry or scream or something? Did that what that made you realize that that it's gone? Um, well,
2: yeah, I was in a grocery store, in a Kroger grocery store, which is okay. an awesome store in Nashville. Yes. I think this is why I think it's awesome. <laughs> um, <laughs> okay. And I think I was in the cereal box aisle and I remember oh, yeah. it really vividly. And I did. I wanted to cry because the cereal boxes were real. And I remember walking around that store just looking at people and being yeah. like, wow, like, these yeah. are people. I'm a part of this world. And, like, I wasn't watching this That's movie good. anymore. Um, and it was really, really exciting for a few days until, like, all of these feelings came back of oh. grief and isolation. And it was so, so much more intense. Yeah. Like, I didn't have the it... do
1: Yeah. Gotcha. It was so
2: intense. So my de- – Depression got a lot worse. Um, and meanwhile, I still don't know why I'm falling asleep all the time yeah. except my <laughs> have' told me it's depression. <laughs> um, but I was tired all the time. Yeah. Um, well and without really like fully realizing it, I really started to self-medicate at this point um, because I you know I wanted to escape the, the feelings of what I was feeling and being drunk or high made me feel a lot like how I had felt.
1: Right.
2: For 4 years. Right. So it was kind of like this recreation of all that I knew from 14 15 years old to 18 19 years old. Yeah. Like I was recreating it because what else did I know? Like I'm not, you know, I don't have any support for this. I I have no idea yeah. that the concussions are causing it could have caused the depression that started, you know, back then cuz in all yeah. reality looking back on it like I was depressed before my uncle died. Like it yeah. all, it started back then. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, I had kind of a lot of ups and downs for my second gap year. Um, and by this time, I'm like five years out since the concussion, and I'm still self medicating. But I, I'm totally convinced that all my issues are because my there's something wrong with my sleep.
1: Okay. Which
2: there was something wrong. With yeah, my there
1: sleep. was. pretty suit. Yeah.
2: Yeah, so but I'm on this mission to figure out what is wrong with my sleep, and the, my psychologist like it's. I had gone to get a psych eval to try and talk to him about my sleep. Yeah. He's like, "Yeah, you have ADHD. It got worse." And I was like, "Yeah, yeah, I know that." <laughs> <laughs> and he, and he's like, "You still have anxiety," and I'm like, "Cool." <laughs> um, and he's like, "Yeah, I think I think the anxiety is causing you know the sleep issues. I, I, I've been having nightmares." every night since 2015 like oh. still to this day and oh. so i'm like okay so i have nightmares that's why i'm tired all the time yeah yeah um and eventually you know kind of in this time frame i'm also like all right it's time to go back to school so i'm sorting everything out with mcgill and so after two gap years i'm gonna go back to uni and three weeks before moving up here i got diagnosed with narcolepsy
1: Yeesh, yikes
2: three weeks yeah. <laughs> and um yeah, and that was because I knew the person who scheduled the appointments at Vanderbilt. And I was like, hey, no. I really think something's wrong with my sleep. And they, sn- they like, squeezed me in for a sleep study. Um, so I got to Montreal just kind of unmedicated with narcolepsy. Um, but, like, at least I knew what was happening. Yeah. You know, and so it took me until the end of my second year of university which was March of 2019, so a year ago, yeah. to find a medication that worked for my narcolepsy.
1: Oh,
2: wow. So my first two years were full of times of trying different medications, like going to different doctors. I was trying different lifestyle changes yeah. that involved no medication because I wasn't responding well to these other ones. Um, and my narcolepsy is still progressing at this point, it kind of progresses for the first few years. Um, and it was progressing to the point to where I was having – a sleep attack every couple hours and um, it also like would cause and it still does sometimes but not as much Is half my face will kind of go paralyzed. And so I got taken to the ER a few times for a stroke. Yeah. You don't have a stroke. No. Uh-huh. And so yeah, at this point like my, I'm still using and drinking a lot. It's gotten a lot worse because now I'm up yeah. in Canada yeah. and everything's legal, um, <laughs> you know, and I thought you know, if I have narcolepsy, I'm going to fall asleep all the time and not pay attention. Like I might as well feel good. Yeah. Um, and so that was the thought process. Um, but yeah, once my, once I started on the new medication, like I could function again, and my life really changed. Um, but my drinking and using habits didn't. So yeah, after several months, like I hit this rock bottom – realized I was an addict and alcoholic um, and and now I have just over seven months of clean time, clean and sober time um, and so still the way I see it is that my drinking and using time was me creating this lifestyle that I knew best from the four years of this concussion Right. Um, and then when I finally got out of that depression not having any support so that's what made me want to recreate it um and so it's kind of like almost eight years after this concussion I'm just now dealing with all of these feelings that you know I should have been dealing with when I was 15 years old Wow. um and you know I can see there are reasons that I felt off um and I can see that the concussion really did impact my ability to handle these other life events that occurred um, and that that it's okay for me to feel grief about my old life and yeah. for and to feel grief for, you know, that 15, 16, 17, 18-year-old that didn't get to do high school or do yeah. be a kid the same way other kids get to be kids um, yeah. and that's valid. And it's kind of like this alcohol and, and drug recovery is the last step my concussion recovery is what it feels like to me. Um, it, but now like I can tell you that like I'm a pretty happy person most days. You
1: seem happy. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Is I'm content you? at the least. Um, I'm not always, I'm still not good at experiencing my feelings all the time, but yeah, I'm getting better at it. I'm reading again. I go to my classes, um, you know, I eat and I sleep well. And I think the, one of the big things is I don't feel stupider yeah than before. um and it my brain still feels like it's healing and that could be due to the getting clean and sober yeah. but also i ha- it had never really fully recovered from the concussion so i think it's just like this combination of mess um and i'm really grateful that i survived that part like that yeah. far yeah and for the most part um I'm able to look back on my past and accept it and accept the feelings that go with it. Um, I do find it's better not to play the whole what-if game <laughs> with yeah. my past. But one of the big reasons that I'm in this club and I've been, we're trying to push the support group is that, um, is that I think with better awareness surrounding concussions and mental health, we can encourage the validation and acknowledgement of the struggles that others may experience with their concussions, you know, Yeah. and yeah, there's, yeah. And these struggles that are a complex mix of like direct difficulties from the concussion and also impacts of external life events, um, on someone's current state. Um, and I yeah. think we can, you know, increase it, the spaces that are held for these people, I mean, more
1: support groups yeah i mean it's kind of like sorry oh uh, so to ask you i uh, support the support groups so because your story is just absolutely fascinating like, that's a in-depth that's a that's a complex story though that's fascinating but uh, so is that what you speak to the uh do you get up in the support groups and talk to not only students but interested participants of the Do you talk to them about that or do you open the floor to let people talk about their their therapies, their concussions or mental health issues?
2: Uh, we open the floor for the most part. Um and then like we had a really, really good session last week. Um and it was a small group. We're a bit smaller in the winter time. I don't yeah. think we- to come out when it's icy yeah. out. Yeah. Which totally makes sense. Yeah. Um sure. we we it was me and these two guys and we were talking about a lot about the derealization and I was like, yeah, it yeah. feels like yeah. if I remember it feeling like I was watching a movie and they were like, oh you know that's the Kroger,
1: the- that Kroger story? What? You don't know that Kroger story? That Kroger? Oh,
2: I can't remember if I did. I'm sure <laughs> I did. <laughs> um but the big thing is me being farther along is I'm able to kind of listen and then give them ways to verbalize it. Yeah. And, and It kind of – it started out with us talking about the lack of empathy and the apathy that happens and feeling like we're just watching a movie. And by the end of the session, we were all kind of just joking about different stories, and there was a lot of really heartfelt laughs. And um, Yeah, that's good. That's really special to see because that yeah. is – that's not apathy and it allows them to to feel more normal considering their circumstances right. and to really have their feelings validated and acknowledged you know and yeah, no, totally. it yeah it doesn't feel as crazy when there's somebody else it's like yeah i know that,
1: exactly what no, you're talking exactly that no you're talking about. yeah yeah, that's, and a, it... that's a tough that's a tough thing about or well, brain Even just talking to people and they they'll say okay yeah I get it I get it but there's not be some more person just be like okay yeah I get it but they don't and it's not their fault they they can't get it because they don't right. know what it feels like to like they try as hard as they can but they don't get it because they, they just can't and it's good they can't because yeah. that means they didn't have a brain tree.
2: yeah exactly but it, it's nice to have a space where we can talk about it and feel more normal. And it, it and I think weird. it allows it allows these people who are more early in their recovery to kind of accept where they're at. Um, yeah. I think a, a lot of them do spend a lot of time. And and I did this for years, like fighting it and just ignore kind of ignoring the feelings and and like. I have a headache, but that's like, I'm going to push through it. Cause you know, that's yeah. kind of how society is built anyways. Is yeah. Like, get up and go. Yeah.
1: Um,
2: but really we need to be making sure that, or like helping these people be more empathetic towards themselves and, and spreading awareness so that others can be empathetic towards them so they can kind of accept where they're at. You know? Yeah. You can't, if you have a headache and you're really dying, like,
1: you just, gotta yeah. take a step back. Exactly, yeah. No, that's an excellent point. So, and how many of these meet? Have them every every like Wednesday or like every I'm just made up a day. I shouldn't say that because it'll confuse <laughs> people. But uh, but do you have them like once a week or? How yeah, often you have these support groups?
2: We have them on Mondays okay. from six okay. to seven thirty, and they're at the they're on McGill campus. Um, we also. What was really cool is after this one, these two guys ended up going and grabbing, uh, I think, tea together. So yeah. that's nice to see, nice if we can foster relationships so that they can lean on each other. Yeah. Uh, but we also have a Facebook page that's closed, but anyone can ask to join it. It's called Concussion Support Montreal. And all of our support stuff goes up on there. And then if somebody wants to email us at concussionmtl at gmail.com, then we also send support group emails so that people know um, what's going on so that they can come join.
1: And I found you on Instagram where you found me. We found you. We found each other on Instagram. Yeah. So what is the Instagram account?
2: Our Instagram handle, I believe, is also concussionmtl.
1: Yeah, I think so. That's That sounds right.
2: Yeah. I'm gonna double check it, and then our Facebook is Concussion. Our general face, yeah. Instagram is Concussion MTL. Our general Facebook, the not support group one, but also stuff gets posted on there is Concussion Montreal. Um, okay. And yes. Yeah. And you're and so,
1: associated. With, you're associated with the Concussion, concussion Legacy Foundation.
2: Yeah. Canada. Yep. We're one of those branches. One of the university okay. branches. Um, so we do the whole team up, speak up thing in schools um, and initiative. Do, so I do believe.
1: you go to those or do you speak at Sport We'll see.
2: Um, no, I, I love going and doing the education. Oh, the education.
1: Uh, is that your, That's your thing?
2: Yeah, I kind of do it all. So I, when I started in the group, this is my third year in the group. My first year, I was just an educator, so I went into schools and talked. Um, yes. And just, last year, I was the fundraising director. And then this year, I'm the chapter director. I'm actually a co-director. Um, my director has been on exchange, although I believe she now has to come back because of the whole virus situation. Yeah,
1: exactly. Totally. Um,
2: so I really enjoy doing the older students. Yeah. I like into CEGEPs because they tend to ask a bit more intense questions. Right. Um, and, of course, when I'm in those... I do tell my story to an extent with the younger kids, but just more along the lines of I ignored my concussion and then now I'm still yeah, dealing with don't stuff. do that. Don't ignore yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. It's a real thing that has real impacts. Um, so
1: uh, yeah, so we're just. some what, what, what does Emily do at, at McGill? What's your program?
2: Yeah, so I study psychology and I have a minor in neuroscience. And um, my job is a research assistant at the Montreal Neurological
1: Institute.
2: So wow. I do and where,
1: school when I work. Is that on McGill campus as well?
2: Um yes.
1: And and where where exactly were these support groups at on McGill? He said they're on McGill campus, but is there on I've, I've been to Montreal a bunch of times but I don't know McGill how is the best way to find that if you are at McGill what's the yeah. best way for people to find that?
2: So it is at. I'm pulling the address up now because I always mix up two of the numbers. <laughs> Classic. <laughs> um, you know, some things are just sticking with me. Um, I believe so. It's it's in the QPRIG building. Q P R I G. Um, and it the address is 3647 Rue University and it's on the third floor Um, and the door is sometimes locked and sometimes not. There's a doorbell so people can ring it or they can send uh, like we make a post every time there's going to be a support group and people can comment on it. Um,
1: Check your Facebook page first. Yeah,
2: the support group, and we have a lot of activity on there. Sometimes other people go meet up um, and That's chat, cool. and we have our resource list up there, which has a lot of the clinics listed and um, what they offer, as well as other things like um, the different types of massage um, and visual re- rehab places. So we have a bunch of resources up on there.
1: Well, perfect. That's great. And uh, so, yeah, so, I mean, do you have anything else you'd to, to, like to, to add or or do you think you've spoken your piece?
2: Um, yeah, no, I think we're good. I think, yeah, the big thing that we're focused on is you know, the you psychological side and making sure people know about it so that way they can you know, deal with it in a proper way and their journey has, doesn't have to be... Quite as intense
1: as and others. Educate, your education, education groups will go out to people, but your support groups are at Rue University 3, Day 3647. Yep. University and McGill yep. Campus. On Monday, is that 6.30? is that right? 6 to 7.30. 6
2: to
1: 7.30. 6 to 7.30. So 1,800, 1800 to... To 19- 1930.
2: Yeah, and I believe in the fall we're hopefully going to launch a mini um, series on top of the concussion support group that will be eight weeks just about concussion management. We have a neuropsychologist who's helping us set that up, and each week will be a different topic.
1: Excellent. That's a great idea. Yeah. yeah. So hopefully, and hopefully, the after those universities and everything are in schools and just life and generally turns normal. I mean, this is only March 13th now, so... So, I mean, obviously, I'd say, you I don't know, I I shouldn't speak now, but your Monday's support group is uh probably... Is that still at 6?
2: Yeah, we're still... Well, actually, that's a really good question. I have to see because if the university shuts down, that building might shut down. Yeah. Um, We, um... Before we had our own space, we would often try and meet in a quiet cafe, which uh, I just – it's kind of tough for people to be as vulnerable and open in that setting. The um, quiet
1: cafe or a quiet cafe?
2: A quiet there, cafe. Okay. There's a few we choose from. Uh, okay, okay. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if there's
1: a place called the quiet cafe. If no, anybody listening the is the wants place. to make a coffee place, I that would be a good name, but
2: uh, – <laughs> Um, so we'll we'll update all that info on the Facebook page.
1: Great. Well, thank you so much for uh, for for joining and for telling your your story. is just fascinating. So, uh, and I th- hope, I think it would be very helpful for people dealing with concussion and for other mental health issues and associated mental mental health issues. And uh, and yeah, I think it's going really great. So thanks, and hopefully people will when they can visit your support groups.
2: Yes. Yes, when they can. Thank you so much, Nick. Uh,
1: th- thank you. Make sure to visit the McGill chapter of the Concussion Legacy Foundation Canada's website at concussionmtl.com concussionmtl.com and visit their Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter pages at concussionmtl. And please visit concussiontalk.com For more website, more podcasts, and visit my Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter pages at Concussion Talk. Thank you, and I hope you listen again soon. Music at the beginning of this podcast is by Ben Sound. www.bensound.com.
0: Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things.